Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he returned to the temple. All the people gathered around him, and he sat down and taught them. The legal experts and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, placing her in the center of the group. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone women like this. What do you say? They said this to test him because they wanted a reason to bring an accusation against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. They continued to question him, so he stood up and replied, Whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. Bending down again, he wrote on the ground. Those who heard him went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. Finally, only Jesus and the woman were left in the middle of the crowd. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? She said, No one, sir. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! So friends, we're continuing our series called Mixed Tape, where we're looking at the spiritual practice of rest, being able to reclaim rest as an act of devotion, being able to look at what it actually means to, to not just constantly be doing, 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 but to actually be as well. Last week, we talked about how we can dream because of God's grace. It was so nice to be able to talk about what it means to have big dreams and, and God at the center of them, what it means to be able to look into the future and know that what's ahead is going to be even brighter and better uh, than what's behind, knowing that God is still at work in all of us and it's not something that ends just because we're older or because we're in a different stage of life, but God is constantly at work in all of us. This week, we're going to be talking all about hitting the eject button. You know that our series has kind of been patterned after the old cassette players and the mixtapes that we would make or older generations would have made for us. And the eject button was such a powerful button. It got things out of there. It got the tape out of there. Sometimes you had to hit it quick to keep the tape from getting sucked into the machine is a thing that I think I remember seeing. And by ejecting, it was getting that old playlist out of there. And so today, the thing I'll say a lot is this. Today, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject? I don't know about you, but I have an inner monologue, an inner dialogue about who I am and what I am. I have a definition about who I am as a, as a person, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a son, as an American, as a Floridian, um, as a millennial, all of these different things, these soundtracks that I play about my life. And some of them are very, very good, and some of them need to be ejected out of my mind today. And so I wonder if you're with me today, as I'm preaching, you're thinking about the soundtracks you play in your mind, your heart, about who you are, and put your finger right on that eject button, getting ready to hit it by the end of the morning, okay? 
So I love this passage. You already know this about me if you've been here more than like five weeks. I love the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are a little bit like a historical record. They're a little bit like an eyewitness account. And John's a little bit like a dream journal written by a teenager. A lot of flowery language, a lot of fanciful things, lots of stories that are really fun actually to read, I think. Written more like a comic book and Matthew's written like a newspaper, and so it's really nice to hear a story from this gospel. And I also really love this story because Jesus is, is very sassy in this story. I know that that's not a thing you typically hear about 30-year-old men, let alone the Savior of the world, but I don't know another way you can describe someone who, when hearing something serious, kneels down and starts doodling in the dirt. It's not a respectable sort of thing to do. Imagine if you're telling someone something that you think is very serious and they pull out their phone and start drawing on an app, right? That would be very, very sassy, I think. And the Pharisees want Jesus to talk about failures. The Pharisees come to Jesus and they're like, hey, great news, you get to talk about how someone's failing because that's what we care about as the legalist sort of followers of God. We want you, Jesus, stop talking about this grace thing. Stop talking about this new kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Instead, talk about the way that this person failed. Because Jesus had this thing, this problem, as the Pharisees saw it, as an ability to love people in their failures and their mistakes. The Pharisees didn't like a lot of things about Jesus, but they especially didn't like how he loved. They bring this woman, this woman that's accused, they throw her in front of this rabbi and they say, all right, act the way that we want you to act. When all you hear is failures, it's not the voice of God. If in your inner dialogue, in your inner monologue, all you can identify and see are your failures and your mistakes, I want you to know that that's not what the God of the universe is trying to communicate to you. But the Pharisees, see, they want Jesus to fit within a box. They want Jesus to fit the idea that they have about what a rabbi should be. They want this rabbi to be the sort of person that tells people that they're doing things wrong. I don't know if you've experienced this as well. I know that I have as your pastor. I've had so many lovely conversations with people about their hopes, their dreams, and I've had so many conversations that begin with, and I know that I shouldn't. And I know that I'm not. I hear all of the sins and the failures. It's this old kind of adage. I think we have this Catholic holding on of confession. Of like, if you tell me, I'll clear with the big guy and you'll be okay, right? I hear a lot of failures and mistakes. And I can also kind of tell that people don't, they don't love it when I'm like, that's fine. They're amazed at how quickly I'm not overwhelmed by their sin and their failure. Because I think people forget that I too come with sins and failures myself. And When I talk with people and I hear their sins and failures, I can feel this desire that we have as human beings. Tell me that I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm bad. Tell me that I'm a failure. We have this desire as human beings. Because when we hear that, it almost placates the voice that we have going in our head of failure and guilt. And sometimes it feels nice to be able to be told that the tape that we're playing for ourselves is right. But friends, today... What is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject? So back to the passage. This woman that's been caught in the act of adultery is a prop for the Pharisees. This woman is brought before Jesus not because the Pharisees care at 
all about the woman. Oh my gosh, they don't care about this woman at all. They want justice to be done. They don't even care about that, really. They want Jesus to get in trouble. And so this whole human being, right, this whole child of God made in the image of God is used as a prop to get the Pharisees what they want. Don't be confused. The Pharisees here are not being religious leaders. They're being incendiary. They're trying to get something to happen. They do not care about this woman. And Jesus quickly identifies that the law is not the central thing in what the Pharisees are saying. They don't care about following God. They don't care about this, this woman caught in the act of adultery. They care that they get their point across. How many religious leaders have you heard that care less about the people they talk about and care more about getting their point across? May it never be said of me. But we see again and again, even Christian leaders, that care less and less and less about the people around them and care more and more and more about getting their point across. And we see how Jesus acts to this. Jesus hears a group of men trying to get their point across, and he treats them with the amount of respect he thinks they deserve, and he begins to doodle on the ground. He squats down and turns his iPad on and starts drawing pictures. I've read some commentaries, heard some people say like, oh, he was listing their sins in the dirt. I'm like, maybe, I don't know. But if I'm the writer of the Gospel of John, I'd include that because that'd be pretty intense. In my mind, he's drawing a kitty cat. You know, like he's just, he's just, he's filling the time. He's like, yeah, you'll, they'll work themselves up. They'll, they'll run out of steam. I'll be done in a second. Maybe he's playing hangman with Peter sitting next to him. Like, Aleph, nope. Who knows what Jesus is doodling? But I know when I see someone doodling and I'm talking to them, what I have to say, not as important as what they're doing, right? So we have this image of religious leaders pointing out the ways that other people fail. And we see the God of the universe reacting to that with doodles in the ground. So I think sometimes one of the tapes that we play is all the ways that we fail. We want to tell ourselves that we are our worst mistakes we want to tell ourselves that we're the ways that we fail, the habits that we have, the things we can't kick. And the God of the universe says, how about I draw you a picture of a kitten, right? That, that's what the God of the universe has to say to that tape that we play. And Jesus teaches us another sacred thing. This isn't explicitly in the Bible, but it's something I want you to hear. You don't have to go to every fight you were invited to. Oh, you do not have to go to every fight that you were invited to. Amen and hallelujah. I don't know about you, but the world wants to keep inviting you to MMA slug matches, right? On Facebook, on Instagram, at work, in your family. There are fights that you'll be invited to that you need to go to. Defend the small and the voiceless. And also, get through the day, right? There, there are times as well when you can let those fights go. Today, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject. When we feel the tape of the ways that we fail, we are mostly feeling guilt. Guilt. Everyone say guilt. Guilt is this thing, this inner voice that we say, I have done this thing and so my worth has changed. You know, I am from New England and I am a follower of, at least culturally, of all New England sports. Like all followers of Jesus, I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, I, I love Tom Brady before all of you ruined him, right? And that laughter was cold and hurtful. But I remember I was a New England Patriots fan when 
when Drew Bloodsoe, with his 38-ton feet, was the quarterback for the Patriots. And he got sacked all the time, couldn't pass to save his... He was okay. I don't... Like Drew Bloodsoe is watching right now. You were okay, man. But then Tom Brady came in. He was this agile kid from California and, you know, was a nothing round draft pick. And he was so great. The value of the Patriots went up and up and up and up and up. And then Tom Brady got wooed away by Tampa. And the value went down and down and down and down. This isn't my therapy session. I promise I have a point. I think sometimes we view ourselves like we're some sort of commodity, right? The Patriots' value is lower because they don't have as many gifts and abilities. How many times do you think you are of lesser value because you don't have the same gifts and abilities as others? I don't know how to tell you this, but there isn't some ticker in heaven where there's a green arrow up when you pray a lot and there's a red arrow down when you pray less. There is just a list of names and at the top is beloveds. And you're on that list, friends. God doesn't see you as some sort of commodity that rises and falls like the price of crude oil. Instead, you're a beloved child of God. Guilt tells us, guilt says to us, your value has gone down. The Dow Jones is down over the weekend. You're less. That is guilt. Conviction is a thing when we've done a thing below our worth. Conviction is a feeling that we feel when we do something that is out of character for how God made us. If you're a child of God and you're treating yourself like some sort of loser, you're treating yourself like something not worth God's love, if you're treating others like there's something that you can step over or push through that is less than what you are worth. It's like wearing a tuxedo to drop things off at the dump. It's out of place. That's the conviction that we feel in our hearts. I remember I was serving a church in Texas, and I had to go to a, a service at the church, and for that I had to wear a black suit. And then I went to the state fair, where, or not the state fair, the area fair, I don't know. We sold chicken on a stick. And so for my four-hour shift, I was wearing a black suit selling chicken on a stick, and everyone noticed. <laughs> I was out of place. I didn't look good. I didn't sell more chicken on a stick. I thought, you know, maybe it'd elevate the, the operation. But we as followers of Jesus, we sometimes feel guilt and say, this bad action is what I deserve because I'm worthless. But conviction tells us this is worth less than I am worth. The way I'll put it is this. Guilt, we say, I'm worthless. Conviction says, I am worth more. Conviction is the feeling when we find ourselves sinning in some sort of way, being outside of God's step, and we understand that we are worth more than the actions that we are find ourselves doing. Today, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject? So how does this look? Well, great news. We have a wonderful example here in the Gospel of John. This woman is brought before Jesus, some rabbi that she may not even know, by a group of Pharisees caught in the act of adultery. Without getting too specific, friends, adultery is not done by one. It's done by two. So clearly, she's with a loser. Because I don't know about you, friends, but if I am caught in the act of adultery, and the person that was also there is somewhere else, and I'm in front of a rabbi about to get condemned to stoning, and they're not there, 
We're not going on a second date, right? (laughs) Friends, come on. Where is he? Where is he? Why didn't the Pharisees grab him? Chauvinism, mostly. Misogyny, right? Where is the man? Well, he's off being a loser. I don't know if loser is a nice thing to say. Should I not say loser? I'll, I'll pray about it. I think it's accurate, though. She is with someone that when given the opportunity to defend her from death, he is somewhere else. He is below her. He is not at the worth that she is. She deserves better. This woman deserves so much better. Friends, I don't know how to tell you this, but often, oftentimes conviction will feel like Christ convincing you of your worth. This woman, thrown on the ground, sat in the dirt, surrounded by men who do not love her, save for one, the God of the universe, is there scared about what might happen, humiliated for her mistakes. What does the God of the universe say? Is anyone here to condemn you? Well, neither do I. Go forth and sin no longer. I mean, who would expect that from the God of the universe? We've convinced ourselves that what we get when we sin is a lightning bolt or a one-way ticket downward. But instead, go forth, my sister. Go forth, my child, and sin no more. See, Jesus reminds her of her worth. Today, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject? Our own tape that we play for ourselves can feel like, can feel like water to a fish. Have you heard this old anecdote? You may have heard it from a commencement speech. It was very popular in the 90s. But two younger fish are swimming in the ocean. An older fish comes by and says, hey, boys, how's the water? And the younger fish look at each other and say, what the heck is water? You see, we as followers, we as human beings, we swim in a water that we can't even identify. The world around us that we affect in our own tape that we play for ourselves can feel like the water that fish swim in. Fish don't notice water. We don't oftentimes notice the tape that we play about ourselves. Here's one way to understand if you're listening to a tape that isn't from God, but is something you need to eject. If you don't see yourself changing, you don't see yourself as God does. If a part of your understanding of yourself is something that is, is a person that is growing, that is changing, that is failing, that is succeeding, that is getting up and trying again, that's not a tape that God is playing for you. God sees you as a creature that is grow, as a human being, as a beloved that is growing and changing and is constantly striving for something more. It'll change the way that you live. Today, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject? So what does Jesus say to this woman? Go and get living, right? Go on from this place. Go forth. When Jesus says go, that is an opportunity for something new to happen for this woman. Go. Get going. Listen, you just barely made it out of this alive. This could have gone very poorly. This could have been the end of your life, but you instead get to get up and get going. Get awakened to your life, your actions, your culture. Don't sit and wait for death. And what else does Jesus say? Jesus says, from now on. Friends, if you've decided to follow Jesus, if you've made a profession of faith within your heart or within your community, 
you have decided that you want something different, that's all you need to do. You are already different. God is already doing a work within you. Now, you will not feel different right away. It's a bit like someone trying the gym and going once and thinking, that's enough. I'll come back next year. That's the same with Jesus's work in our lives. You will not feel different right away. Change is hard because patience is hard. Be patient with God's beloveds. That's you. And what else does Jesus say? Sin no more. So Jesus is not saying, hey, don't worry about it. Go, go see if you can, you know, make it home before he goes to bed. You know, put something on Hulu. You guys can laugh, we'll laugh about this in the future. No, instead he says, get up, go, sin no more. Dump your boyfriend, move on. There are plenty of fish in the sea, right? Jesus tells her, you've got more life to live. Remember whose you are. Go and move. The question that I always had when I read this was, does that mean that I need to be perfect? As soon as I accept Jesus into my life, should I, do I need to be perfect until I die? And, and friends, I don't think that's the right question to ask. I think the right question is, how can I live and sin no more in this moment, in this moment right here? When I think into the future of all the ways that I can mess up, I find myself brainstorming new ideas, ways that I can fail. But instead, I think God calls us to just this moment, and then just this moment, and just this moment. How can I be more like God in this moment right here in this space? See, striving for perfection is the call. We as, as Christians, we as United Methodists, do believe that God can work within us in such a way that we become perfect here in this life. And I haven't gotten there yet, but I know that God will do that work within me. Striving for perfection is the call. Being perfect is the reward. If it's here or in heaven, I know that God will work within me to perfect me. And I know that if it's here or if it's in heaven, God will work within you, making you perfect. Because that is God's reward for us. Today, friends, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject. What must we do? What must we do? Well, first we need to identify who we are to ourselves. What do we say about ourselves? I'd encourage you, if you've been taking notes, take a minute now and, and write maybe two or three things you say about yourself. The two or three things that you believe about yourself. The good, the bad, the ugly, write them down and take the bulletin with you. And then I want you to see the ways that that doesn't align with God. If you write down three words that make you sound like the worst piece of gum stuck on the foot of humanity, I want you to erase it and start over. If you find that you're writing down the three things that you've already accomplished that are behind you, that you could never improve, I want you to edit those and find the ways that God is changing you and growing you. And then we need to adjust the tape. We need to change the ways we talk about ourselves. When you fail... I need you to remember that when you fail, it matters because those actions that are failures are worth less than you are. You are not worth less. I need you to remember that the tape that God is playing for you is a tape of triumphant victory and change, that there's something new around the corner for you. There's hope and growth that you will change the world. 
because of God's great love for you. And then it's simple. We need to go forth and sin no more, knowing that when we do, Christ will be there, telling us that we are not convicted, telling us that we are not condemned, and that we can get back up, try again, and go forth and sin no more. Today, what is the one tape we play about ourselves that we need to eject? Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.